It's time for the Dorsey Show. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Fantasmagorific. Oh my gosh, I'm like so excited. We swear. <laughs> Your most excellent giggle buddy. She's like this 24 okay. <laughs> 7. Welcome to the Dorsey Show. Listen while you work. The Dorsey Show, live from the Associated Credit Union of Texas Studios, with your host, Dorsey. Well, my bestseller is better than your bestseller. And does that even matter? That's what my guest, Dr. Cindy Childress, and I are spelling out for you today on the show. Well, hello, hi, and howdy, everyone. It's time to get you tuned in, turned on, and tuned up with your weekly dose of the Healthy Happy Fun Hour here on The Dorsey Show, where I help you to awaken your play, purpose, and pleasure, because it's my belief that happy people make healthier choices and just have way more fun along the way. And speaking of fun, you guys know it's that time again because I'm feeling some kind of way on this Thursday morning. I'm feeling like I need a good news story to start the day. All right, so look at guys, y'all know again, I'm a sucker for anything involving fur babies, kids doing crazy cute things, happy family stories, and obviously anything fart related because they make me happy, giggle, and just feel so much better. And obviously it doesn't take much. Well, this week's good news feel good fur baby story, and this is also in honor of my guest because she and I are both avid fur baby lovers and rescuers, volunteers, foster moms. This This one is courtesy of Chi-Chi, the Golden Retriever. Well, Chi-Chi is a therapy dog, and unfortunately, she lost all four paws, and she was just named the 2018 American Hero Dog. Well, this little Golden Retriever was unfortunately left for dead in a dumpster in South Korea. She overcame her injuries, though, and has helped others as a certified therapy dog. And after being found left for dead inside a trash bag in the dumpster, Her life was not one of her dreams, obviously. Her legs were unfortunately bound by wires and had to be removed by the animal workers. So don't worry, the story gets better. And despite her injuries, though, her little eyes were full of love and her little tail never stopped wagging throughout the entire procedure and her recovery. Well, her new fur family, who are in Arizona, the Howells, they fell in love with her from a Facebook video. Don't we, That's how we find out and fall in love with anything is on <laughs> Facebook, right? Thank goodness for Facebook. And of course, they had to adopt her. Well, they weren't sure if they could help her walk again because she needed four different leg links. And that's it's difficult enough finding prosthetics for animals, yet finding four different links is is almost impossible. However, through trial and error and a very crafty vet tech, they found a prosthesis expert who works specifically with animals. And on top of everything else, this little girl even had some cancerous spots removed, so she's a cancer survivor. This little baby is just definitely destined to be here and shine. Well, she now works as a therapy dog and is perfectly suited to this new role with her sweet-tempered and gentle spirit. On any given week, she could be found visiting veterans in a 
rehab facility, residents of an assisted living facility, or with young children learning to read. Chi-Chi also bested, this is so exciting, 265 other brave canines to earn the American Hero Dog Honor, for which she received more than a million votes from the American public. I was just like, oh, go Chi-Chi, go Chi-Chi, go Chi-Chi. The award ceremony is coming up on the Hallmark Channel October 24th. So if you don't have anything planned, even if you do, make sure you record it so you can see little Chi-Chi on October 24th. Now, that's a story that, in my mind, would be a bestseller and one most of us, I think, would like to read. Bestsellers and you are what my guest, Dr. Cindy Childress, content specialist, are spelling out for you on today's show. Cindy, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Darcy. I love that story. Go, Chi Chi. I know. Isn't that th- she's the mo- when you look at her, she's the most beautiful little golden retriever, and you could just see on her face is just like, ah, eh, whatever happened, I'm good because hey, I've got stuff to do in this world. You Aww. know, she's just. I mean, I I just was so inspired when you see her little legs. She's uh-huh. just trotting along besides her little fur brother mm-hmm. or sister, just like, hey, see me? Uh huh. I got it going on. What up? <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> well, you know, being able to say you're a bestseller author obviously has some clout beyond the, the monetary side of it you know sure. which hopefully you're making some money with it the perceived authority the bragging rights you know and the fact that you are either a best-selling author or a multiple times best-selling mm-hmm. author and it can definitely open doors to op- other opportunities beyond the book, you know. Well, and I don't know if, if some of our folks know, some don't. I'm the president of the Houston Writers Guild here in Houston. And I've also co-authored three best-selling books on Amazon in different categories, multiple categories, and not and not some obscure, like, foot category, you know. I mean, <laughs> like, mainstream categories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had to work to sell thousands of copies to get it there, you know. Right. So we worked to get it there. So for me, obviously, for book four, the next Next step would be another bestseller yes. to just add to it. So, you know, I did find something and we're going to chat about that was spending time with my BFF, which on previous episodes we've discovered my BFF is Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is from the site. You may have heard of this scribe. Yes. OK. And I thought the name, the previous name was cool. Book in a box. Yes. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it is. Book in a box. And one of the first things they say to author questions that they get on how um, to get on a bestseller list is they say you probably don't want to do that, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, you also have some very interesting things to say about that for our listeners. So let's get to the first one. So bestsellers. So Cindy, you know, I think my story is a bestseller. My life, my story. (laughs) Whether you do or not, I think it is. Do I need a bestseller for my book to be successful? Not necessarily at all. Okay. Um, A lot of, like, bestseller is a title, just like Honor Student. And (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Honor Student. (laughs) And, uh, you know, while you're in school, being an Honor Student's a big deal. And when you're looking for your first job, maybe that matters. But after that, what matters more is your experience. And after a certain amount of time, if that's still the most interesting thing about yourself, it's kind of sad and embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know, I'm really harsh. But, you know, (laughs) but I want people to think critically about why being a bestseller would or wouldn't be important. So... If your goal is to, um, let's say, get more leads for your business and you're a coach or an expert, 
then um, having hundreds of thousands of people to buy your book isn't really the point. Yeah. Um, that could lead to speaking opportunities and other ways to elevate yourself. So I wouldn't say don't try, but I would say be sure that you understand why you're trying. Because one thing that, um, and I think Scrob was kind of pointing this out, is um, you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money just trying to play the numbers on Amazon yeah. <laughs> to True. rank higher. And then you can turn around and say, well, all that time that I spent you know, just trying to get strangers to review my book. What I should have been doing is talking to my hot leads. <laughs> and true, true. So, um, yeah, so it's not for everybody. And it also depends on what your goals are. So, um, yeah, if it's really, if you're writing your book because you want to have a larger platform and to be a keynote speaker at events and to get on to, you know, events with bigger headlines and to be a headliner yourself, mm -hmm. you are probably going to want to be a best-selling author. But I bet when I described that, there were a lot of people going, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just have an important story that I want to get out there. Um, sure. And, you know, it's something heartfelt and meaningful to you and you think it'll mean something to other people. And then you could still sell hundreds of thousands of copies, but just not doing it strategically to rank, instead doing it more organically where more people read your book and share it and more people read it. And you could still have a huge readership. I know we may get to this in a minute, but it's possible to sell hundreds of thousands of books, but never actually be on the bestseller list just yeah. because so much of that is working the numbers, just the same way getting a high SAT score is mm -hmm. more about, you know, doing the pretest that SAT sells exactly <laughs> than being the smartest kid on the block. Well, you know, and a lot of times too, when you're at a great conference and you hear somebody and you're just really moved by their topic or, you know, their moment up there on stage, and if you don't have some sort of, you know, ebook or even little small workbook or something you're really missing out on not only leads really moving these people to that next step whether it's with you or just the next step for them so a book bestseller or not is a great way to do things at the back of the room with your potential clients and, and other people that you can help to take their next step Absolutely, because that content is a way for you to stay in touch. And once they've accepted something from you, and especially if they paid for it, they're more likely <laughs> to accept something else and pay for it again. So yes, that's a really important moment to capitalize on. So you said it a little bit about this. Does it really matter to be a best-selling author? You know, let's talk about that a little bit more. Sure. I mean, not necessarily at all. I mean, it's basically... Your bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> but I know several successful writers who have sold out on their books and they never hit the best selling list high enough to be called a bestseller. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean the book isn't good and it still doesn't even mean the book hasn't achieved the goals that they wanted it to achieve for them. Um, I'm thinking about um, Sherry. I'm going to butcher her last name, <laughs> um, Levian. Um, her book is um, Heart to Sell, and it's a book about um, sales for people who feel like they can't do it because they have these emotional things that they have to overcome. Like, and, don't we all when it comes to selling? <laughs> yes, and her book, her book has sold out in terms of, you know, it's out of print, and all the copies that the publisher had have sold. So that's a success, right? I mean, no joke. No, I mean, who wouldn't yeah. want that? Yeah, exactly. you know, and it just it happened not to have sold 
the more copies than anybody else on a certain day, mm-hmm. and therefore it didn't reach some of those arbitrary gotcha. margins. But that doesn't mean it wasn't very successful. And um, okay, yeah. Well, now tell me the difference because you know there's Amazon bestseller, which you see a lot because a lot of people that that's more of a self-publishing platform more so than anything, and then New York Times bestseller. So what's the difference between the two? So much. <laughs> so you're definitely right. Um, but I mean, Amazon is also a place for traditional authors, for p- people from traditional publishers also like to rank there as well. So I think it's not an either or, but okay. the main difference is Amazon has a lot more categories than the New York Times book review. So there's a lot more opportunities on Amazon to um, you know, beat all the other kids in your category. <laughs> it's um, I know I'm t- I, for some reason I've got a lot of school metaphors today. I'm working. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> I'm working right now on a book for a lady who is the um, admissions mom for uh, Reddit on college. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so that is where my head is. <laughs> that's okay. But um. Yeah, and so for Amazon, then there are a lot more opportunities for you to hit that ranking. And also, if you hit it for one second and you're just refreshing your screen and you're number one, you can take that screenshot and that means you're an Amazon bestseller because you hit number one. It could just be for one second. And Mm -hmm. then the next time you refresh your screen, somebody else could be there, but you were there, so it counts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great because... I mean, it just, it's more democratic. It gives more people an opportunity to, to hit that benchmark. In contrast with the New York Times bestseller list, it is not measured by every single book sale everywhere. That's one misconception people have. It's still just from um, a few book selling platforms, which does include Amazon and includes some bookstores, which would definitely be Barnes & Noble, but not every single independent bookstore mm-hmm. or everywhere online that books can be bought, you know. <laughs> I think Margaret Atwood has links to 10 different places where you can buy her books. So there's a lot of choices. And then another thing is just because you have sold a lot of books, hundreds of thousands um, in a category that the New York Times um, keeps track of, they still may choose not to put you on their list. Mm. And that's for reasons that are completely of their own. Um, True. So, yeah, you know, that was something I found interesting. I found that in an article and, you know, they're one of the most or the 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 most important bestseller list is New York Times. And they're the worst corporate at what is called cultured or curated elitism. They readily admit that their list is only reflective, just like you said, of books that are selling at a certain number of bookstores and on time on, uh, online retailer. I can't even talk today. Retailers <laughs> across the country. But it's not an actual bestseller list and I didn't know this they had to admit it publicly because they were sued about it I was like whoa and so they actually admitted which is funny you talked about the, the kid and school <laughs> mm-hmm. metaphors because they admitted that their bestseller list is just a popularity contest and they may select who they will and won't put in the cool kids club I was like wow so it is like a high school all yes. over again and mm-hmm. speaking of school you know the apple caterpillar and prepositions you remember those things on in through around above beside near the ways we learned our prepositions well up next all the many ways you can get to a bestseller status chances are she's the only dorsey you know i don't think i want to try that again actually all right watch dorsey on youtube connect and subscribe go to vinyldraftradio.com what would you like from your bank or credit union how about a mobile app that makes banking simple How about free online banking and mobile bill pay? How about loan decisions made locally? 
How about 15 convenient locations? Associated Credit Union of Texas has all of these and more. Sounds like you should get associated. ACU of Texas, federally insured by the NCUA. For more info, visit acutx.org. Good people of Texas, cast aside the everyday and come as thou art not to the Texas Renaissance Festival. Feast and frolic amongst nobility, barbarians, and magical creatures. Create your own fantasy with clothing, jewelry, and more from hundreds of -of one-of-a-kind shops. The Texas Renaissance Festival. Nine weekends of feasting and merriment starting September 29th. Get your tickets now at texrenfest.com. Huzzah! When you're looking for a new home... John Wilkinson can help answer questions related to obtaining a mortgage lender up to finding and securing the best home for you. John will take your best interests as his own and provide valuable property and neighborhood information that is important to your family. Call John at 281-974-0739 or email him at john at jwgetsitsold.com to start looking for your new home. Coastal Shade Company is the Houston and Gulf Coast leader in outdoor shade coverings. From palapas to pergolas, pavilions, and more. Looking for an outdoor kitchen or fireplace? Contact us today at 832-917-7672 or visit us online at coastalshadeco.com. She laughs a lot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's fun. Oh my gosh, I'm like so excited. She's quirky. Fantasmagrific. She's Dorsey. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) This is the Dorsey Show on Final Draft Radio. Well, welcome back to the Dorsey Show with my guest, the ever-beautiful, talented, and knowledgeable Dr. Cindy Childress, content specialist. And for those of you just tuning in, we were discussing what a bestseller is and if it even matters. And in this segment, Dr. Cindy's going to explain for us, just like that little caterpillar and its friend, the apple, all the different ways you can get to bestseller status. All right, so Cindy, you ready to get in some more nuts and bolts of bestsellering? Let's do it. <laughs> And if that's not a word, I don't care because, you know, we make up words on this show. (laughs) It is now. It is now. (laughs) Okay. So we talked a little bit about bestseller, the bestseller list, you know, and Amazon, the the, kind of the big ones, Amazon and Amazon. I'm renaming (laughs) things. Amazon and New York Times. Is having a bestseller just about writing a good book? Unfortunately, no. Okay. Um, (laughs) If a tree falls in the florist and nobody hears it, it actually doesn't make a sound. It makes vibrations, (laughs) but if the vibrations are not vibrating anybody's ears, then there's not an audible sound. There's just the vibrations of the tree. Okay, well, if you're going to get technical (laughs) on me. (laughs) I know, I'm a little nerd, but (laughs) yes, so... That, you know, and this is the sad thing, and it's one reason that I started my business to help mostly self-publishing authors, because I noticed a lot of people self-publishing their own books, and when you would buy them and read them, they actually weren't very good. And <laughs> <laughs> well, please, d- tell us how you really feel, Cindy. <laughs> I know. Well, there are areas of opportunity. They could be better. I love and, it. <laughs> and I thought, you know, most people just believe that all the writing professionals are in New York City or maybe L.A., and they're inaccessible. And um, I was going to just bust that myth and be the exception. But Yes, because there are <laughs> plenty here in the Houston area. Yes. Co- present company <laughs> included. You're, of course. There you go. Yeah. And, um, but to be a bestseller, you do want a good book, though, because if people are buying it, <laughs> somebody's going to crack it open. And... 
they're gonna yeah yeah (laughs) so we'll talk about the advantages of writing a good book whether it's a bestseller or not and then we'll get to that so if it's a good book but you haven't marketed it and nobody knows it's there then they're not going to buy it to read it to see how good it is true so you know there are probably some great books on amazon that have just never had any marketing or publicity behind them and they're just sitting there and that's a sad shame but i'm sure that's true Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand you do have books that are not well written at all we've all bought them before oh man tell me about it (laughs) yes and um but they are bestsellers and then you think well how is that a bestseller when this book is not good yeah and um marketing and publicity Hmm. but there's another shoe to drop on that because i don't want to leave you with that thought and think well i can write a bad book and then just put all this money behind it and it'll be well yeah 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 let's not do that because we want we want good content out there in the world exactly and when you write a really good book you're more likely to sell more books to readers because the people who read your book and enjoy it are going to come back and review it to help other people find it they're going to tell other people about it and that organic fan traffic (laughs) is really what's going to drive the longevity of your book just in terms of making an impact on your community in the world which is the reason that most people want to write books mm-hmm. I was say, that's gold and yes. gold in your wallet <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so you talked a little bit um about this let's do we even want to go into that i think you pretty much already covered that so to drum up curiosity some pre-launch sales or drive people to work with you you know before your book comes out because we talked a little bit about that if you're a speaker a great way to continue the conversation beyond that speech is having a book at the back of the room to sell how can you go about getting them interested to buy it beforehand Yes, and pre-launch and pre-sales are also a great way to um, hedge your bets on hitting that Amazon bestseller list. So you should definitely do a pre-launch and pre-sale. Okay. And this is all about strategically marketing your book before it's available for purchase. So um, you have to stand behind your product, just like anything else for your business, and um, do a marketing campaign for this book that you have coming out. So you start by telling people, guess what? I'm writing a book. I'm so excited. (laughs) And then you're like, guess what? We're in our editing phase. And then, you know, you put your um, samples for book cover and let people vote on them online to drum up support and make people interested. And you can even use your blogs to Mm -hmm. kind of gauge interest on a topic and even get feedback on your book as you're writing it. Because remember, when you're self-publishing, all your All your writing belongs to you, so there's no copyright issues for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can publish on your blog, you know, a pre-version of what's going to be a chapter and get feedback on it and maybe even take that back to your editing process. And when those readers feel really engaged and they see you changing your content and manuscript and your ideas as they're giving you feedback, they get really excited. <laughs> they can't wait to read your book and yeah. they can't wait to share it. They're and invested in it with you because yes. they're like on the, they feel like they're on the journey with you as it's coming along, you know? Absolutely. And then a lot of people will offer a price break for those pre-sales to encourage people to do it now instead That's of true. later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, you know, actually, I've got a friend of mine. He's in California, and he he's done so many things in his life. And he used to work in the arts, and he used to teach kids in school, you know, with music and whatnot. And he also now he's he's a speaker, and he helps people get their story and their speech out. And he also does uh, TED talks for people, and he's had several clients that have done TED talks. Well, he finally did his own book, and it's you know unapologetic. Love David DiGiorgio like no one, and he did that. You know, it was great to see every little thing that he was doing because he was doing it himself. And so every little bit and piece, he would say, "Oh, I'm doing this now," and "Oh, here's it." And so you're you're on the journey with him, Mm -hmm. and you're excited to hear what this is about. And he was showing you book covers, and now you know he even. Is, was doing, you know, he did some pre-sales, and for those that bought at different levels, he donated like 80% of whatever you paid to a foundation he started for kids in the arts. I love that. I know. So it's it's a book with a mission, you know, not mm-hmm. just to put money in his pocket, also help kids with schools, because, you know, a lot of arts programs are being phased out or have mm-hmm. been phased out, and it's yeah. so important to have these different arts beyond just, you know, football and sports and things like that and so of course I you know I think I paid eight or a hundred bucks you know and so 80 of it was donated you know awesome. and you know I got the book now he also had and I kind of want your opinion on this if you know if you I'm sure you have sure. a way of thinking on this he did reach out and had some big names that did some forward like Brian Tracy actually did the forward and I was kind of surprised because you know sometimes these big names with these big lists you think is going to be all that great you know and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be, you know, on like the selling end, you know. So what is what is your opinion about reaching out for like these big names to be on your book? Well, I think it doesn't hurt. Um, mm-hmm. My client whose book just came out, Mailbox Money Mindset, uh-huh. fantastic book. Please look it up. <laughs> it's so good. Um, he had several um, well-known Uh, business coaches that he has worked with that he reached out to to write blurbs for him. Mm -hmm. So they were people that he knew already who could speak to his character and already knew a lot about his story, which was what was going to be in the book. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that was great. And it has um, served him because then those and he also interviewed several people in the book who now have their quotes in the book. And that gives them a reason to help him get the word out, too. So I think strategically that's very smart because it helps you build your dream team of influencers who organically care about the success of your book um, as opposed to just contacting an influencer only for the purpose of getting them to blast it to their list and then they've got your blurb and it's all very fake and they don't know you. And Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, so that way I think is probably not going to serve you as well as you might imagine. Like if I got Russell Bronson to write yeah. a foreword for me, <laughs> he doesn't know me. He can't yeah. speak to anything for me. Um, it's not his fault. We just haven't crossed paths. Exactly. And um, so it would be very odd. Probably what he said would be... Um, kind of canned almost. Yeah. And, you know, so I wouldn't pursue that. Um, and I don't think he would accept because I think he has more integrity than that. But um, <laughs> I think so, too. But, um, yeah, but that's an example of where, you know, just to have a big name, just to have a big name yeah. um, 
if it doesn't match up, your readers are even going to be like, that was weird. So, you know, you know, I agree with that because there there are plenty of people that, you know, it's almost like the, say, like the tier below the big time influencers mm-hmm. that are vested, especially if they know you to any degree, they're vested in your success, whether how, yeah. however much they're in the book, even if it's a little blurb. Yeah. So I think that's a great PR marketing for being very strategic about, mm-hmm. yeah, some of these big names are great. However, you know, a lot of them just don't really care. It's like, oh, hey, you know, pay me this or, you know, whatever. And yeah, I'll put your stuff out or I'll say it once and then that's it. You really want someone to help you work for, you know, getting your stuff out and just really helping you. And that kind of goes to my next uh, question here is, is there any, oh, no, I'm sorry. What about the authors who are already published? Okay. And their books were not bestsellers. Is there a strategy they can implement to boost or reboost sales of a book that's already published and across the thresh- their threshold of being a bestseller if they want to be or just even to re-engage sales and sell more? Yes, absolutely. Um, even if your book was came out um, the last year or two, I wouldn't go too much further back than that because it does just okay. become stale content and then you would want to maybe write a new book that okay. would address a more contemporary audience or you know, reflect what you've learned since then. But for a book that's come out in the last year or two and you didn't hit the bestseller list and now you're interested, you know, it's the same thing to just start your marketing campaign. You've probably got a lot of new followers who don't even know about your book or they've never been told to buy it. You know, you have to tell people what to do. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and if your marketing campaign is over and you haven't been talking about your book, then it may be on their awareness, but they haven't been called to action. And they just know it's there. They could buy it at any time. So there's no reason to buy now. Mm-hmm. So you create your reason to buy now. Um, so probably I would try to tie your topic into something that's culturally relevant at that moment that people are already talking about or thinking about. And you could be like, hey, guys, this is in my book. This is why <laughs> you should read it. This is why it's important. And when you put that spin on it, and again, you could offer a limited time deal just to encourage people to buy it now instead of later. Um, if you have a publisher, as I mentioned um, with that other writer I mentioned, you know, they do run out. They, they yeah. do a, a print run, and mm-hmm. then, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of demand before they will reprint more. Oh, okay. Um, as opposed to Amazon, which is print-on-demand. Mm-hmm. So they would have your book available until you Whenever. until and if you <laughs> pulled it, <laughs> um, which some people do either because they want to create more demand for products they have that are more um, contemporary or because sometimes they're embarrassed of their old stuff yeah. after a while. <laughs> or they've it's just okay. revamped so much yeah. that it's like it's almost, not, like you said, mm-hmm. not quite relevant. as it is and needs a revamp yeah and I think that just reflects um you know ongoing scholarship and interest in your field I think that's to be expected and I think that's great it's a growing and it's like most authors or creators we're always learning and creating and coming Mm -hmm. up with new ideas or different techniques or so real just real quickly uh, I want to let everyone know first off how they can contact you and find out about working with you and you know becoming published or if they need website copy because you do Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff so how can they find you. Yes, please send me an email at cindy at dr-cindy.com. 
And uh, Dorsey and I were just talking about um, my website. Um, Dimple Dang has helped me with my brand new website. So very soon you'll be able to find me on www.houstonghostwriter.com. Oh, I like that. Houstonghostwriter.com. Oh, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. So real quickly, is there any like promotion apps that, you know, because you talked about doing some promotion and stuff. Is there a few that maybe you, you recommend or have had some success with? Well, Amazon, I'm sorry, Amazon. <laughs> well, actually, the Amazon does have ads. So you can, um, I mean, actually, well, that was an accident that I said that, but actually, it's a very good idea. So <laughs> you can, if you've ever, when you do a list for a, when you do a search for a book topic on Amazon, you may notice that um, there's going to be featured ones that come up at the top that aren't necessarily five star, that aren't necessarily best sellers. How did that happen? Well, somebody paid for that. And that's um, and there's no reason you can't pay for that either. And it's not that expensive depending on what um, category you're in. Um, and then also Facebook ads are a great place for um, especially nonfiction and self-help books um, to do targeted ads to exactly who your ideal reader is with um, like a series of videos and maybe offering it for free on Kindle just to get more readers and drive sales, um, which is a great strategy. And Instagram is also a place that you can run ads for your book and just organically on your Instagram page with getting people to vote for book covers and that sort of thing because it's a visual space. Well, good deal. Well, that's a lot of great places. Thank you for that, Cindy. Well, going dark, staying silent, and keeping the peace. Why this is not in our best interest up next. For more info on today's show, go to VinylDraftRadio.com. Click links and guests. This is The Dorsey Show. What would you like from your bank or credit union? How about a mobile app that makes banking simple? How about free online banking and mobile bill pay? How about loan decisions made locally? How about 15 convenient locations? Associated Credit Union of Texas has all of these and more. Sounds like you should get associated. ACU of Texas, federally insured by the NCUA. For more info, visit acutx.org. We the people have a right to superior cocktails and Preamble Lounge and Craft House would like to welcome you to a new cocktail revolution. Our speakeasy-inspired lounge offers signature craft cocktails in an intimate setting. With a wide selection of high-end spirits, infusions, barrel-aged beverages and cocktails, there is something for every budget. Preamble is located at 20801 Gulf Freeway in Webster and open Monday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Preamble Lounge and Craft House, a new cocktail revolution. My lady, today I banish boredom. You're king of the Texas Renaissance Festival. Do whatever you like. Then I'd like to decree a different theme every weekend. With characters and costumes? Decreed. And what about frivolity for families during the day? And more frivolity in the campground at night? (laughs) Decreed. Decreed indeed. The Texas Renaissance Festival, nine themed weekends starting September 29th. Tickets at texrenfest.com. Decreed. Want to hear more Dorsey Show? Check out our audio archives when you follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe at iTunes and Google Play and listen to every episode every week. This is The Dorsey Show. 
Welcome back to this final segment here on The Dorsey Show. Time flies when you're having fun and talking one of my favorite things, which are books and writing. Well, dulling your light, yeah, not going to happen, not this woman. If you were, just be prepared, this is a tiny bit of a rant. Sometimes I give you fun stuff, sometimes I kind of give you a little bit of a rant, and this this one is a little bit of a rant, so just hang on with me. If you were on social media at all this past week, you might have seen a bunch of black cover photos on people's pictures on their pages or if you're like me you may have received numerous requests in your inbox to put a black photo as your cover photo for at least 24 hours well this was to show the world what it would be like if there weren't any women the exact statement was it's a movement to show what the world might be like without women your profile photo should be just a black square so that men wonder where the women are Pass it only to women. It's for a project against domestic violence. It is no joke. Share it. Well, hell's bells. What the heck is up with that? And what is the world coming to if anyone thinks that by posting a dark photo, any message is truly going to be made or the right message is going to be made? And in my opinion, and thankfully, a lot of my very strong, powerful female friends said, heck no, we are not doing this. We won't go dark. I won't be dark. And I'm not going to be shut out in any fashion. This is just the wrong message to say or to do in this day and age, folks period, all day long and twice on Sunday. I do agree that any type of abuse should be brought to the light and dealt with swiftly and harshly. But to go dark, I mean, what do you think that the men, like the abusers, want anyway? They want the woman in their life or women in general to be gone or at the very least silent. So this is a movement in my mind that's gone wrong on so many levels. I don't want you to wonder where I've gone at all. You know, I want you to know exactly where I am and where I stand. And if you cannot deal with this, then that's okay and perfectly fine with me. And as my women of color friends are fond of saying, just keep stepping. (laughs) And I'm going to add to that out of my way. You know, for too long, unfortunately, women have been expected to be silent. Open your eyes and ears and keep your mouth shut. Don't say a word. You know, we're not allowed the same privileges as men. excuse me, in a lot of areas of life and business, you know, personal and relate and business relationships expected to have certain types of jobs over what our hearts are telling us that we should be doing in this world. And we've had to deal with the good old boys, treating them like maids or servants, even when we hold the same or better professional titles. And this one leads me to my personal favorite, having a man mansplain something to you. And I found an article on this from the BBC that was most helpful with this issue because I've had this happen and it's so frustrating to me. Mansplaining is defined as a man explaining something to someone, particularly a woman, in a manner regarded as condescending or patronizing. Now, this, in my mind, folks, is just as awful as verbal bullying, because more often than not, the person committing this offense is doing it in an obviously patronizing, I know it better than you, so just be quiet and listen to my opinion and do what I suggest position. That's wrong, wrong, wrong. And the woman in the article from BBC actually created a chart, which was amazing, to help with this distinction because she was asked by some of her male colleagues to kind of help, can you help explain this to me and am I doing it? Which I was like, wow, they're asking, am I doing this? Which was unbelievable. 
And she realized that the splaining part comes down to three factors. Do they want the explanation? Which is a great question. Do they want it? Are you making bad assumptions about their competence? Like they don't know what they're doing. They have no clue what, you know, what they should be doing, hearing, knowing, whatever. And how does bias affect your interpretation of the above? Because let's face it, bias from early behavior and communication at an early age, we were kind of talking some school metaphors and stuff earlier. Boys and girls are criticized and praised for different behaviors at different ages in school. And most times men do assume women um, are less competent, for example, even when we are more competent or equally competent. And she even designed or created a diagram that went viral on Twitter (laughs) with hundreds of thousands of shares and likes. And I'm going to sum it up with these few questions. Did she ask you to explain it? If she did, then it's not mansplaining. (laughs) If she did not ask you to explain a statement you made, then it probably is mansplaining. And if she has the same or equal experience or even more experience or expertise, then it is definitely mansplaining. All right. Now, women are interrupted more. They're not encouraged to take the same amount of like airtime talk time, you know, in school in particular compared to boys. And when a woman is assertive at business in business in particular, she's often termed abrasive in her performance reviews, which is so unbelievably in my mind backwards. <laughs> I think it's safe to say though that there is enough out there already that we have to contend with and disappearing even for a short time on social media is not the direction that we need to go. And I am going to flip the coin here, okay? And and be fair because there are plenty of women men, excuse me, who listen to, respect and admire strong independent women. And there are also plenty of women who love to explain things infinitum as well. All right. So I think the deeper issue, though, is that women for so long have been taught to defer to a man that it is still hard to shake that deep rooted societal belief and stand firmly in our own power and our own essence and worthiness. You know, we've worked hard to get where we are. And sometimes we forget that we need to stand in that and stand bright and firm and strong. And, you know, mansplaining may seem like a trivial issue to some or just in isolation. The overreaching goal here is how we communicate and how we do communicate tells each other and tells the other person how much or how little they're appreciated and valued. And in my experience, we feel better. I work more effectively and we behave better when we feel valued, when we know in that conversation with that person, the situation that we're valued and thought of at least an equal because we are equal. No one person is better than another person. And when you're trying to take control of a conversation or situation, you've taken yourself out of that conversation and you're trying to be the one who's always right. And I know y'all know people like that, that no matter what conversation you're in, that person is always the one that has to be right, has to have the last word, has to one up you on everything. And if you just change that scenario, tweak it just a little bit and first listen and then be immersed in a conversation, you're going to oftentimes discover that you were trying that what you were trying so hard to tell someone 
doesn't matter and you end up with a better, deeper, more productive outcome for everyone that's involved in the situation, the conversation, whatever the case may be. And the other person or persons don't leave feeling like they were talked down to, not heard, unappreciated, because unsolicited explanations are typically disrespectful. And then you also run the risk of undermining yourself by looking like you have an inflated opinion of your own knowledge, whether you do or you don't. And I still believe that honest conversation all day long with both people listening first with their ears and then answering instead of already preparing what they want to say is the key to developing any kind of healthy work relationship, personal relationship. And this is going to be beneficial to everyone because we're all about happy, healthy, fun here. And one of those things is communication. Words have power. I mean, and I know my guest, Dr. Cindy, would agree all day long, right? Oh, yeah, completely. Yes, words have power, whether you say them, whether you put them on paper, whatever. No one likes to be disregarded or made to feel inferior. And instead of posting dark images on social media, my suggestion, let's post images of what you want to see or be in the world, things that make you laugh. You know, I love to laugh. I love to giggle. Obviously, y'all hear it all the time. You know, things that make you feel good about yourself, feel stronger, lift you up, the lighter side of life. Okay, let's start choosing that. There's already enough of darkness and shenanigans, you know, going around. So it's time, in my opinion, for women in particular to remember we're the light of the world. And this place is not a place for us to dull our shine so that others may be comfortable. We have a right and in my mind, a duty to shine so brightly that others realize they too are meant for better. Whether it's in a story you tell, it's in a book that you write, you're on a stage speaking, whatever. Don't dull yourself. And I am not going to dull myself to suit your inadequacies or to make you feel comfortable in your smallness. I serve no one. If I'm not in the world as I'm meant to be, and however big or light your, however big or small your light is, because some people want to shine brightly, some want to just shine really small where you are, honor that wherever you are, just do not ever let anyone make you feel as though you should go dark and not be the bright light that you are in this world. And just think back to little Chi Chi, our little golden retriever at the beginning of the show. You know, that little dog could have given up at any time. Yet she knew that by shining her little light, she would eventually touch the world and help many deserving souls as she is. And I mean, she even won an award, which don't forget, it's coming up on Harmark Channel, you know, on October 24th. You get to see her win her 2018, you know, Hero Dog Award. I mean, <laughs> go Chi Chi, go Chi Chi. <laughs> so you, all my lovelies, remember, are deserving of every bit of happiness and pleasure that this life has to offer you. Be sure to grab it, hold tight with both hands and never ever let it go. Well, I want to say one more time, a big thank you to my guest, Dr. Cindy Childress, for talking to us about books and being a bestseller. If you want to just how to get your story out into the world so that it reaches people so that your light can shine and then they can realize that they need to shine. So one more time, just let everybody know how they can reach out to you to get their shining light in the world. Please send me an email at cindy at dr-cindy.com. That's drcindy.com. And we have to set your your website, which is the coolest thing, you know, houstonghostwriter.com. I just love that. That's awesome because you do such great work. All right. Well, thanks again, Cindy. It was an absolute pleasure. And this week I'm going to wrap up my dollop of Dorsey with a question. What do people do, Cindy, with all the extra time they save by writing the letter K instead of OK? 
<laughs> That's a good question, yeah. isn't it? Well, that is. I know what I'm going to do with all that extra time. I'm going to have fun, giggle more, <laughs> and have a blast today. Does that sound good? <laughs> that sounds good. I think so, too. I just I thought, that is true. Do you save a whole lot of time by typing one less letter? Or if you're the type that types out the whole thing, like O-K-A-Y, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. I, no, I do. I'm like K. That's some serious time. Well, it could be. <laughs> it probably saves people from accidents if they're texting while driving, which you oh, should not do. Which we should not do. Yes, we're <laughs> going to say that right now. All right. And for those of you that are ready to get your play on... Register for, I'm so excited, I have a workshop coming up. It's a play, purpose, and pleasure workshop on October 27th here in Houston. And the link that you need to go sign up right now because we have some early bird tickets, which end on Monday, bit.ly L-Y, forward slash divine and play. Isn't that cute? Love it. Bit.ly forward slash divine and play. I can't wait to see you guys in the room and playing with me and my friends. Well, that's it for this episode of the Healthy Happy Fun Hour here on The Dorsey Show. Join me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And don't forget, we have a new app. It's available on the Google Play Store and coming shortly on the App Store as well. Well, my wish for each and every one of you, as always, until next time, that you are happy, healthy, and have a ton of fun. Big Texas love and hugs to each and every one of you. Bye for now. Her happy builds up all week. Come on, get him up there. Raise your hands in the air and you pump them like you just don't care. Join us next Thursday when she gets it all out. Again. Go ahead. (laughs) Kind of like if you vomited rainbows. You can get me anywhere. (laughs) You won't want to miss it. Thursdays, 10 a.m. The Dorsey Show on Final Draft Radio.